Well, good morning. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the power and the impact of those four words, let there be light, and how that has changed forever our story and changed our world and brings us right up actually to this very moment. And uh, I want to let you know this is a message that I've been working on, honestly, for over a year now. And uh, this idea came to me last fall, a year ago, and I am so excited to bring it to you today. And before I get into it, I just want to say, uh, I want you to participate with me. So if you're feeling what I'm saying, let me know, okay? If not, this is going to be a three-hour sermon. I want to keep this to 30 minutes. Let's work together. Can I say that? Because I'm excited for us to get into it today and where God's going to take us. And before we get into that, let me just say a quick word about a next step. the end of this message, I want to give us a very clear and powerful, I believe, next step for our whole church to take today. Last week, we gave a next step to our folks that are part of this church. As we looked at God's goodness, we said, what would it look like for you to respond to God's goodness and all that he's given you by becoming consistent, joyful giver, not to be a gripper of your stuff or a tipper to God, but a giver to God. I want to let you know something really cool. Laid that challenge out there, and almost 200 people from our church said, count me in. That's me, which is pretty awesome. Thank you. So, what Allison's doing here, I want to let you know. Participate with this, all right? Just help us. It's actually a really powerful thing to see folks step up and say, you can count on me not to give to this church, but to give to God through this church and to see our lives grow because of it. And for those of you who made that commitment, I want to encourage you to keep that commitment to God. You will see your life grow and change in unbelievable ways as you do. And I also want to let you know that if you missed that last week, or some of you actually are wired to give in a little bit of a different way, that when it comes to the end of the year, you maybe have some freedom to give that you might not have had earlier in the year, or there's a bonus that may come your way, or this is just a time of year where you just feel compelled like you want to give to something, and you want to know that it's something that God's a part of. And I want to let you know uh, that we have an opportunity for you to do that that has a direct impact on the growth of this church. In your seat back, there's an envelope that says, let's build the future. 2015 is going to be a very exciting year for Soul City Church as we see God grow our church and all of who he created us to be so that we can make more room for people to experience who God is. And so if you feel inclined or prompted to give, you want to give a year-end gift, I'm going to ask you to grab this. You can fill it out today, leave it with us today, or you can take it home and bring it back with you. But I, some of you can really do this, and some of us need to do this to give to something that God's doing and to be a part of building what God is doing here, specifically this year end as we start 2015 together. We're very excited to do this. Well, this is a time of year where we tend to roll out the lights and we tend to focus on lots of beautiful things that remind us of Christmas, little things that help us kind of get in the spirit of Christmas. And one of those is specifically the way that we decorate our homes. And so I just want to ask by show of hands, how many of you uh, right now in your home, have these hanging up somewhere in your house? Just by raising your hand. Do you have Christmas? Oh, it's awesome. Okay. How many of you grew up in a home where these were hanging somewhere, whether they were tacky or not in your house? Okay, good. Yeah, th this, um, these are why I need Jesus. I just want to start by saying I lose all faith in God and humanity when I hang these. And then, and then they're up and they're beautiful and I love it, God and everyone again. Um, and these can go overboard. People can go overboard with these. And maybe you grew up in a home where you went overboard with these. Maybe you are currently creating the kind of home where you go over, or you've lived maybe on the street with someone that had that house. I want to just show you a couple examples. I mean, you can get really overboard with the Christmas lights. I want to encourage you to try and find the house in this picture. 
There's a lot of lights going on there. I'm going to show you the next one. See if you can find a singular theme other than excess in these lights. We had a house like this on our street, or right around the corner from our street where we lived in Atlanta. I mean, just over the top. In fact, in response to a neighbor that had one of these kind of houses, I love what this neighbor did with their lights. I think it's powerful and poignant. <laughs> just write the word ditto in lights. You save yourself a lot of time. Honor the work of your neighbors. It's a good thing for us to do to work together. Today, I want us to look at the power of light and why it is that we even celebrate it at Christmas. Why? I don't know if you've noticed, lights are a big part of how we celebrate Christmas. Why is that such a significant part of the Christmas story? And what I want us to do is actually look before Christmas lights and excessive electric bills. I want us to go back further even than the original Christmas story. In fact, I want us to go back even before the beginning of the world as we know it and look at how the God who created everything had the word light on the tip of his tongue. So I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible if you brought one with you. There should be one in your seat back, or there should be one uh, under your seat, or if you have it on your phone, fantastic. Look, we're going to start from the very beginning today to look at the powerful role that light plays, not only in the Christmas story, but the story of your life. So you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and in these Bibles that we have in the seat backs, it's on page 1. So literally go all the way to the left. I told you we were starting at the beginning. And we always like to give context as we come into the Bible, and it's a, it's, a, it's a story that we step into, that we're a part of. So let me give you context as to what's going on before Genesis 1. Nothing. I mean, there's nothing going on, right? It's darkness. And God is there in all his fullness and all his glory, but outside of God's presence is literally nothingness, absence, void, or as we'll see here in a moment, darkness. And the first creative act that God does is speak this word that changed everything. Let's look at that together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Metaphor that God was present, but nothing else existed outside of him. Verse 3, and God said these words, let there be light, and there was light. Now, that's just a pretty powerful thing right there. God spoke it, and it came into being. God looked out over the vastness of the darkness of everything outside of his existence and said, let there be light. And as he spoke it, light was, light was created, existed. Light actually went into the darkness in that moment. Genesis chapter 4, we see this repeated throughout the creation narrative that God saw that the light was good. The light was good. And look at what God does. And he separated the light from the darkness. This is very important. I want you to underline that word separated because God draws a distinction at the very beginning of creation. God says, let there be light. And there was, and it was good. And that light actually has a purpose. The purpose of that light is to literally go into the darkness and to separate darkness from light. The, the role of light in the very first moment that God speaks it is to put darkness in its place. That's the role that light has, and God speaks it, and it does. It illuminates, it transforms, it redeems merely by its presence. God says, let there be light, and there was, and it separated forever light from dark. 
And for tens of thousands of years, anytime people would look up to the sky, this is how we measured our days, how we measure our lives. And so people were used to light and dark. And as they looked out at the vastness of space and saw all that they could see with their human eye, the assumption was that the word that God spoke, light, was all that we could see, and that's all that there was to it. So for tens of thousands of years, the assumption was what we see is what we get when it comes to God's creative work. God spoke light and existed, but here it is. Until one man began to follow what I believe is a God-inspired hunch. And it happened around the turn of the century. The man's name is actually Edwin Hubble. He was an astronomer. And as he looked out over the galaxies, he looked out as far as he could see, something in him said, it's not over yet. It's not finished yet. And so using the best technology that he could, he finally was able to, in 1929, be able to conclude that the universe itself was not stagnant, but in fact, the universe that God spoke into existence was growing and expanding. In other words, the word that God spoke has continued to grow and go into the darkness beyond anything we could ever see or fathom or understand. That creative word, light, has continued to move throughout the universe, bringing its presence, ultimately the presence of God, everywhere it goes. The light of God has yet to go out. In fact, it continues to grow and go into further darkness. That's how powerful this word is that God spoke, that it gets greater and greater and greater the further and further and further it goes, which brings us to Christmas. Now, I want to ask you to turn in your Bible. We're going to move to the right a little bit to John chapter 1. I want you to turn to John chapter 1. If you have one of our Bibles that we provided you with, it's on page 739, if that helps you fast track there. John chapter 1, page 739. Let me give you a little context to this, a little bit more context now. This is the moment of the birth of Jesus. And each of the gospel writers, well, three out of the four gospel writers make an attempt to describe the birth of Jesus. Matthew Uh, gives a very important contextual uh, setting for the people of God to say this is the fulfillment of all of God's promises through very dark days. Luke gives great specifics and details. He wants you to know where it happened, when it happened, how it happened. Mark just kind of jumps into the story and says, yeah, read the other guys. Let's talk about Jesus. But John uses a metaphor to describe the birth of Jesus that we, we celebrate every year. John says, let me paint a picture for you. And the picture he paints of the birth of Jesus comes at a time when the world was very dark. It's a very dark place, not unlike the days we find ourselves living in today. The people of God were living under Roman occupation. The prophets of God had gone all but silent. The promises of God had been all but forgotten. And then comes a light. John 1, verse 1. John uses these words, see if they sound familiar. In the beginning, he's plagiarizing Genesis. In the beginning was the word. Now he paints this first picture. He describes Jesus as the word. What did God do to create light? He spoke the word light. And so John plays on this imagery. He says, in the beginning was the word, describing Jesus as the word of God. And the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was there in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, fully a part of the Trinity, there at the moment of creation. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Now look at this and please underline this. And that life was the what? Light of all mankind. That light was the light 
of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That word that God spoke in the very beginning of the world became known through the very life and birth of Jesus. He is the light of God come into our world. God says, if you have forgotten that my light continues to grow and continues to go into dark places, I will send my light into your dark world through my son, Jesus Christ. And he will be the light for, please pay attention to these words, all people, all people, all people. We're going to talk more about that next week. What does it mean that this light and love of God is for all people, that no one gets excluded from the love of God? So here we see on display the light of God made known through Jesus. And what I love is God is such a beautiful artist. He doesn't miss a detail. And so when Jesus is born, the same God who spoke universes into existence that continue to grow and show his glory to places we will never see or know, God says, I'm going to let you know that the light of the world has come. And he hangs a little what right above the little town of Bethlehem? It's not a trick question. Yeah, it's Christmas. It's either going to be star, manger, shepherd. Drummer boy is a possible fourth, right. <laughs> star is the answer. Yeah, star. He hangs a star. Isn't that interesting? That he hangs a star and he says, I want you to know my light has come, so here's a light that will shine right over him. And in fact, it's a group of astronomers who see it from a distance and say something has changed. A light has now come. And they follow that light and it takes them two years to get there, but they find the light of the world in this little boy, Jesus. This is what God does. He doesn't miss a detail. He doesn't want you to miss the fact that his light has not gone out, but it has come into this world, into our world. And that light in the life of Jesus continues to grow and invade the dark places of this world. And in fact, it was Jesus himself who took this image even further. I want you to jump back a little bit to Matthew chapter 5. In our Bibles, it's page 677. Matthew chapter 5, let me give you context. Jesus grows into a man, begins his public ministry. The last three years of his life were dedicated to teaching, to healing, to declaring the kingdom of God, the way of God in this world, to preparing his followers for life after Jesus when the Holy Spirit would come and we would have what we now call the church. And so at the beginning of his public ministry, in fact, in the most famous recorded sermon ever, Jesus starts the most famous sermon by using an image And a metaphor, the light of God, takes that very phrase. And look at what he says in Matthew 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He doesn't say, I am the light of the world. John said that, it's true. But Jesus takes the mic and says, you are the light of the world. Not they are the light of the world. Not people brighter than you are the light of the world. Not people who've been at this thing longer than you, the bride of the world. You are the light of the world. Then he goes on to say, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, we live in the Midwest. Um, a hill is like, 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 it's like if buildings were dirt. Anyway, so a hill, you know how that works, right? You can see a town up on a hill, up on a mountain. You can see it from miles and miles and miles away. And if the lights are on, you can see it from the sky. Jesus said, that's your life. That's who you are. You are the light of the world. And your life is not meant to be hidden or wasted away, but it is meant to shine bright, the glory and love of God in this dark world. He goes on to say this, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now, not only is that not wise, that's very dangerous. I don't encourage you to do that. He says, you don't light a lamp and then go, let me just cover that up for safety's sake. The reason you light a lamp is to bring light to the whole house. And that's what Jesus says. He says, you need, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. 
and it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus says, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here we have it, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who spoke light into existence, the one who John calls the light of the world, calls you the light and sends you into this dark world. It says, you are the light. You are the light. You are the light. You are the light of God in a dark world that desperately needs to get a glimpse of his glory and his love. That the way that the light of God expands in this universe is through you and your life. And what you bring and who you are is you shine a light on God. You are a light. And I wonder what it might mean if you and I actually believed that. That your life is a light. That's what, that's what it's meant to be. That's, what, that's who you are. According to Jesus, the light of the world, he says, no, it's you. You are the light of the world. You are my light in this world. It's not something you do. It's who you are. There's no on and off switch to that. You are a light. Now, what are you going to do with your light? What are you going to do with the light that God has given you? You are a light, and you are being sent into a very dark world. Because wherever you are, you're a light. Whoever you're with, you are actually a light. And the powerful thing is that the power that gives you light doesn't come from you. That's the good news today. It actually comes from God. The power that you have is not something you have to will up to do to make sure that you're a bright light at work. (laughs) Gotta really work hard to do this. Or that you have to, Jesus didn't say you are the right answer in the world. He says, no, 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 you are just a light in the world. I'm the power, you're a light. So will you make yourself available to me? Would you be present with me wherever you are? Because when you do, my power will flow through you and you will be a light. And in the end, they won't be looking at you. They will see me. You're a light. You're a light. Now, I know for many of us, I've worked a year to make that as inspiring (laughs) as possible. I mean, come on. And here's what I know. You may feel fired up right now, but at work tomorrow, oh, man, no, that's not. He's not talking about this. He's talking about a church. That's fine. I'll sing louder if that's what they want me to do, but I'm not going to, not at work. Are you going to go home today and you're going to be with your roommates and you're going to be reminded maybe of darkness that exists in your little world and it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really challenging or maybe it's your family. Maybe it's in your own home. Your spouse doesn't know about what it means to live in the life and light of Jesus and so what we find ourselves doing is maybe I feel inspired in this moment to be a light, but when it comes to the real world, I find my light waning. And I find myself sort of slipping into the shadows of the darkness of the world that surrounds me. Never willfully so or, in, you know, with some hard spirit against God. It's often subtle things where we look at the risk that it could be to be a light to God and what it might mean for us and that it's probably get awkward or weird and we don't know what to say and don't know exactly how it looks and so we just slowly, subtly slip back into the darkness of the world that surrounds us. And Jesus says, even if you try and hide from me, the truth is you are still a light. You are my light in this world. It's not something you do, it's who you are. And so the question is, for every one of us, 
is what will we do to be a light? What will you choose to be a light? Because the reality is every day, every day, you make choices whether you will bring light or dark to your world. Every day you do that. I don't know if you realize that or not. Every day I do that. I make choices in every conversation. Am I going to bring the light of God to this conversation or my own little dark things, my own little dark opinions, my own little dark cynicism, my own little dark whatever gossip, whatever it is. I have a choice in every conversation. I have a choice with every person I'm with. I have a choice right now to bring the light of God to this world, to my little world, or am I going to bring darkness to it? Every one of us does that every day. So the question is, what do you want to bring to your world this week? What do you want to speak into your world this week? What will your life speak this week? Question for consider. You might want to write this down. What will your life speak this week? Darkness or light? There's no middle ground here between darkness and light. It's either dark or it's light. So what will your life speak? What do you want your life to speak this week? What would it look like for you in your own little way? To speak light, like God spoke it into existence, like Jesus came and then spoke it into your identity. What would it look like for you to be a little bit of light in your dark world this week? Singing about a friend of mine who just recently, after about a year and a half long journey with God, about God, finally just said, you know what, I can't deny this anymore and decided to give his life to God, to receive the gift of God's freedom and forgiveness. And in fact, just a week and a half or so ago, we got in the prayer hall here at Soul City Church, and you can go in there today, and his prayer is written right at the top of the cross and put his name there. He said, I want to begin a transformational relationship with Jesus. Powerful moment for him, big, long journey for him. Part of his journey is what, what he shared with us, and he's been in my small group, and what he shared with us is, look, here's the reality of my life. No one knows that I'm a part of all of this. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, my friends and family have no idea that I go to church. I'm like, what do you think they think you do every Sunday? <laughs> He's like, sleep? I'm like, well, some people come to Soul City Church and do both. <laughs> it's okay. Your friends don't? Oh, no, my friends have no idea. He's like, and if they knew that I not only came on Sunday, but I come back another day for this group, they wouldn't know what to think of me. He's like, I, I like voluntarily come back again. He's like, no one has any idea. And so we were talking, like, what would it look like for you to shine this little light into your family, into your friends? Oh, no, no, I can't, no, that's not, no. And I was so excited and so proud of him as he reported back to our small group recently that he sat his family down, real nervous, loves his family, great family. I said, hey, there's some stuff I want to tell you that's been going on in my life. He said, I want to let you know I've been going to this church. And they're like, you have? I said, yeah. And I'm part of this small group. I'm volunteering around there, but I want to let you know more than that. I've given my life to Jesus. I belong to him. And I want you to know. And I'm telling you, as he told us this story, every one of his family members looked him in the eye and said these exact words. Why didn't you tell us sooner? Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you, why, why didn't you invite us in? Because the temptation of our lives and the pull of this world is to subtly, slowly slip into the shadows of the darkness of the world that surrounds us and to believe that we don't know what to say or how to do it and so instead we hide our little light. I just want to encourage you this week with what you've heard from Jesus and what God spoke at the very beginning of time, you are a light. 
You are a light where you live, and this world desperately needs you to shine the light and love of Jesus. If you are in relationship with God, you are a light. If you follow the same Jesus, the light of the world, you are a light, wherever you are, whoever you're with. So what would it look like for you to bring light instead of darkness this week? I have a friend of mine who is committed to doing this at work, to being a light at work. Oh, he's at first like, I don't know how this is going to work. We're not a Christian company. He's like, I want to be really clear. We're not a Christian company. He's like, but, but he's taking the values and the teaching and the wisdom of the Bible, and he's incorporating that into his work culture, and crazy stuff is starting to happen. People are having honest conversations with each other. People are learning to resolve conflict with each other. People are learning to forgive each other. It's almost as if this stuff works. <laughs> and it's his small way of saying, look, I, I, I'm not going to stand up and stand on my desk and preach to everyone in my office, but I can be a light in my world. I think of a friend of mine who has a really tough story, a lot of pain in her past, a lot of regret over decisions she's made. A lot of ways that she's hurt herself and hurt others. It's a hard story. And as she's come into the light of Jesus and had life in him, she's looked at her own story and said, how can even this be a light? And now she uses and tells her story to anyone that God gives her opportunity to. She doesn't have a major platform. She doesn't have a speaking punch. This is just the people that God brings into her life. God, if you want to use the dark parts of my story to shine a light on you, then so be it, God. Let me be a light. Let me be a light to you. I bet you have parts of your story that if you would open up your life and share them, people would see the light and love of God through you. How this week can you be a light? You're going to bring something to everywhere you go, either darkness or light. What's it going to be for you this week? How will you bring light into this dark world? It's amazing to consider the impact and influence a little light can have on a lot of darkness. And for some of us, when it comes to shining a light, your life may literally be like this giant spotlight to blaze a trail for God's glory. That may be your life. You may be a lighthouse that people come into contact with, and it literally points them to God in big and huge and bold ways. And that may be the life God invites you to live. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, lots of times, it's like this, just being faithful to being a little light, shine as bright as you can wherever you can for God. And in the little things, the faithful things, the consistent things that you do, people will see your little light, they'll see your good works, and they'll praise and glorify your Father in heaven. And after a while, it won't be you they see. You don't have to worry about that. It's not your power and it's not you ultimately they're looking at. It's the light and love of Jesus that shines through you. Will you be a light? Will you be a light this week? Our world's got enough darkness. We need light. I've been thinking about this a lot lately and the power and impact that one life, little life lived brightly for God can have in this world. And I was taken back this week, especially in light of where our country is at right now. And the sins of our past that we thought we'd forgotten, but that are, never went away. And I was taken back to the wisdom and the life and the light of Dr. Martin Luther King. And what took me a year to get into one sermon, he summed up in two sentences. <laughs> He's a little better at this than me. He said that darkness can't drive out darkness. But light can. 
Hate can't drive out hate. It doesn't work. We've seen enough of that, haven't we? But love can. It can. And it's a very dark world, and you may feel like a very small light, but it's not your power, and it's ultimately not you they're looking at. What would it look like for you to let your light shine like that, to drive out whatever darkness may surround you, specifically in the world that we live in in these days? And as I think about what Dr. King gave ultimately his light to, letting his light shine, knowing that it would most likely be snuffed out as it was, I think about my little light, and I feel so overwhelmed these days. I found myself crying, weeping, that we even have to ask the question, do black lives matter? This is a dark world. And so God, how, how can my little light make any difference? I, I, I don't know how. But it's not my job to know how. It's my job to just be a light where I'm at, whoever I'm with. It's, it's yours too. To stand for some to, in the face of great darkness, whether it's the darkness of racism, the darkness of abuse of power, the darkness of some saying that some lives matter more than others, that's not at all ever once taught in Scripture. Equality isn't an ethic in the Bible, it's an edict. It's not optional, it's our way. And, and, and so I have to ask, what do I do? And what do we do as a church? What, what do we do as a church? What do we do as a community of faith to shine a light in the face of the darkness of racism and the darkness of oppression that surrounds us in many other faces and forms? And so we've been praying, I've been calling out to God, God help us, help me, help us figure out what this means. And I was thinking for how we might as a church, be a little light today, today. And so what we're going to do is just a small little next step. Now, you and God got to figure out how you're going to be a light all week at work. <laughs> you got to figure out how you're going to do that with your family, with your roommates. That's between you and God. I'm glad I don't have to figure that out with you. I got my own stuff to work on. But here's what we're going to do <laughs> together as a church. Today at 2 o'clock, we're going to gather at the front door of our church, and we're going to pray the block. And this is not only a, a peaceful thing, this is a prayerful thing. We want to be a light in our community. And so we're going to take each side of our little block that our church exists on, and we're going to pray intentionally. We're going to take a block to, or a side of the block to be silent and to lament and to mourn injustice in this world, the loss of life in this world. We're going to take a block to pray for our country, which is in some dark days right now. And we're going to take a side of the block to pray for our city, which has its own fair share of problems, one of the last great segregated cities in this, in this entire country. And then we're going to take the last stretch of the block to pray for this church, that we would be a bright light for Jesus. To pray for your life, that you would be a bright light for Jesus. So I want to encourage you today, maybe this is a great next step for you, is to actually take a couple steps with us and to pray the block, to walk with us around this block and to see what God does in a very small way for us to be a bright light. The whole thing is honestly going to take about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. We're bringing our kids, so if you have kids, this is actually a great discipleship opportunity for you to bring your kids along and to walk with them and to pray with them. I would encourage you as a family, if that's you, to do that. Bring your friends, roommates, small group together. It's going to be real simple. We're not even going to come in here. We're just going to start at the front, walk around, and then when we're done, we're going to go on and continue to be a light for Jesus in this world. And as we do that a small way, our hope is that 
we would be a little light. We'd be a little light that shines the light that God spoke into this world, that Jesus brought into this world, and that he sends us into this world to be. So to help us center our hearts on the truth of what's really going on here, this darkness has not defeated the light. It's yet to defeat the light. Amen. And these dark days will not last forever that we actually pray to and call out to a God of hope. Yes. And as people of faith, that's what we offer the world is hope. Yes. There is hope, not cheap solutions, hope. So to help center our hearts and to help prepare us just to close in a song of worship, I want you to listen to these words of Dr. King. To the truth that we are in a moment of darkness, but there is a light greater than this moment from a God who is greater than this world, who loves this world desperately and is sending you and me into it to be a light.